It's time now for Spears on Sports with John Spears, presented by M&M Carnage. And now, here's Johnny. I made it to Thursday. Welcome in, Spears on Sports, presented by M&M Carnage. John Spears in studio Thursday, June 23rd. Bats lose yesterday on the afternoon game, 5-4 to four to the Iowa Cubs. They'll be back on the air right here on Big X tonight. 7.05, first pitch, 6.35. Pre-game, Bats and Iowa. It is Movie Thursday. Boxing movies today got a lot of votes. There's a lot of great boxing movies. And my favorite website, IMDB, the International Movie Database, loves them some boxing movies. The ratings on IMDB for boxing movies are higher than for any other sport. I don't know if that's because they're better movies, more dramatic, uh, better action scenes. I don't know what the reason for that is. But if baseball movies get anywhere between 6 and 7 on the rating meter, and basketball movies get from 6 to 6.5 usually, football 6 to 7, good good, uh, boxing movies, a couple of them over 8. Most of them between seven and eight. So they love them some boxing movies. And they had some great candidates this week. So we'll get to that. Eminem Cartage Hotline is open, 502-384-1450, 384-1450, to join in on the conversation or tell me what you like about your favorite boxing movies. You can also do that on the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. It is Summer Cash Bash at Thornton's. Each week, one lucky Refreshing Rewards member will win $10,000. That goes all summer long with a grand prize of a 2022 Chevy Tahoe. Simply open your Refreshing Rewards app, click on the Summer Cash Bash icon to enter. That's not all. You can earn additional entries by purchasing select top brands like Mountain Dew 20-ounce bottles, hot dogs, Bud Light 12-packs, large Doritos, many, many more items. Using your Refreshing Rewards card, it's Thornton's Summer Cash Bash. Not a refreshing rewards member? Text rewards to 80313. I would love to my wife to open her refreshing rewards app, but she uh, she ordered new iPhones, the iPhone 13. Quick little story here. She has been a bear and a terror, and I have not wanted to be in the house for the last, oh, I'm going to go five days. You ever have trouble when you switch over phones? Oh, my God. The problem is, we don't remember our Apple ID, and the email that uh, Apple sends to get a new ID goes to an email address that is no longer serviceable, an AOL address. Apple recovery. Good luck dealing with that. Yeah, I'm venting. Grumpy old man who doesn't know how to use an iPhone. That's me. So she can call and she can receive texts on her new phone. But she has to keep her old phone around to use all of her apps. Because Apple Recovery, who said they would get back within two days, has not called back. It's a dark time at the Spears household. All right. Just wanted to get that off my chest. It is NBA draft night tonight, 8 o'clock ESPN. Orlando has the first pick. The Magic have traditionally done pretty well with their first picks. They've... uh, had three previous first overall picks. They drafted Shaquille O'Neal. He was pretty good. He's pretty good. Took them to a finals. Um, they drafted Chris Weber. 
who they traded that night for Penny Hardaway and other picks. That was that ended up pretty well. And they they drafted Dwight Howard. He's still in the league, by the way. Orlando is in all likelihood going to take Jabari Smith, the Auburn freshman who averaged just under 17 points, almost seven and a half rebounds, 43% shooter. Eh, that's not great. 42% from three-point range. That's really good. The Vegas uh, boards do not have the draft picks on them anymore. They're taken down because everybody believes that Jabari Smith is going to go number one, and Vegas can't make the odds high enough. It's like a horse coming in at one to nine, right? He's one to nine. How much money are you going to make? Well, I got to I got to bet ninety to win ten. So these uh, draft picks are off the board now for the number one pick. Jabari Smith, Auburn, looks like he's going to go to Orlando. Oklahoma City has the second pick. They also have the 12th and the 30th pick. So three picks in the first round for the Oklahoma City Thunder, who are in the middle of a ginormous rebuild. All signals point to Gonzaga big man, Gonzaga big man Chet Holmgren. This one scares me. It scares me. Because they got to put a lot of meat on those bones. And he's, while he was a great college player for the year he was there at Gonzaga, could do a lot of things in college. Will it translate to the NBA? But everybody who's anybody with knowledge believes Chet Holmgren going to be the second overall pick to the Thunder. Houston has the third pick. They also have the 17th pick. If Oklahoma City is in the middle of a rebuild, which they are, Houston is in the middle of a, I don't even know what the word would be, restructuring, reconfiguration, tear it down just to build it back up. It is so much larger than what OKC is having to deal with. With the third pick, Houston's going to take, if he's still there, and apparently he will be, Paolo Bancaro from Duke. The Duke freshman. So three one-and-dones here in the first three picks. Bancaro is the safer pick. He's older. He uh, stayed. He, he was in high school a little bit longer than these other guys. He's more polished as a player. He's bigger and stronger than both Smith and Holmgren. To me, he seems like the easy pick. If he's at three, Houston should just smile and say, yes, thank you. Because I think he should be the number one pick in the draft. Jabari Smith's great. His upside is fantastic. Chet Holmgren scares me. Paolo Bancaro, in my opinion, should be the number one pick in the draft. Remember, and everybody remembers, when Portland, with the second overall pick, took Sam Bowie, and the Bulls, with the third pick, took Michael Jordan. This feels like that. I'm not saying Paolo Bancaro will ever compare to Michael Jordan. He he will not. But could Chet Holmgren compare to Sam Bowie? I could see it. Bowie could shoot outside. He rebounded. He was long and lanky. He, he had a pretty good handle of the basketball in the open court. Guess what? Chet Holmgren does all those same things. Now, Bowie was injured, so it's different. When you break your leg in a layup line, that's not good. That's fragile. 
I've wondered how fragile Zion Williamson is because of his explosiveness and landing on those feet and legs every time he comes down with that bulk. I worry about Chet Holmgren in a different way of fragility because I think it's there. I think it's there. Uh, When you go down the lane in the NBA, even though the rules have changed, does Chet Holmgren want to be challenged at the rim by, now let's pick a guy out. It doesn't matter who. How about, uh, how about Robert Williams of the Celtics? Right? How about DeAndre Ayton of Phoenix? You're going to go down the lane. Here comes Ayton to block your shot. Good luck getting up after that collision. He is spindly. Is it spindly or spindly? Somebody help me with a vocabulary lesson. They got to put some beef on this kid. And if I'm Oklahoma City, and even if I'm Orlando with the first pick, the safe pick is Paolo Bancaro. And he's got just as much upside, if not more, than the other two guys. Where will Shaden Sharp go? Former, oh, I'm not supposed to say it. Big Blue Nation will get mad. Former Kentucky Wildcat. No, he never played. I know. He may be the fourth pick. Jaden Ivey of Purdue. Could be the fourth pick. This is a deep, deep draft. It's one of the deepest first rounds you're going to see. You're going to see guys getting picked in the bottom half of this draft by Memphis or whoever at 16, 18, 20 that are going to be stars in the NBA because there are a lot of guys in this draft that translate to the next level. Teams with multiple first round picks, Oklahoma City has. Two has three, two, 12, and 30. Houston has three and 17. San Antonio has nine, 20, and 25. I don't know if Jay Navi can make it down to ninth for the San Antonio Spurs. Jay Navi reminds me of, of Ja Morant with more size, a little bit taller, a little more bulk coming into the league. Morant has bulked up a little bit. But Jay Navi's going to end up being bigger, and I think he's sort of the same player. He played at Purdue in a system that was not meant for his talents, right? Matt Painter likes to, for the most part, get the ball up into the half court, run the offense, a lot of cuts, a lot of screens. You run, you know, every once in a while. Jay Navi would have been better suited in college with a team that liked to get up and down the court. Could you imagine Jaden Ivey with Gonzaga, for example, instead of Purdue? Or with a team like Illinois instead of Purdue? Wants to run up and down the court, open court offense, transition offense. Jaden Ivey played in a system where there wasn't a lot of fast break points. I think Jaden Ivey is going to be a steal for somebody in the upcoming draft. And there are a lot of guys. There are a lot of dudes in this draft. When I say dudes, there are a lot of dudes. Period. Ty Ty Washington, question mark. Late first round. Early second round. Who knows? Who knows? But he will be taken sometime in this draft. 
The uh, Blazers, by the way, made a trade. And here's another thing to keep an eye on tonight in the next seven hours. Here's another thing to keep an eye on. Any movement on Kyrie Irving? Kyrie Irving? Russell Westbrook? Any of these teams at 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 want to trade that pick and get something either because you're rebuilding and one player is not going to make a difference or you just don't like what you see and you'd rather have somebody that's already on a roster. Jeremy Grant got traded from Detroit to Portland today for a future first-round conditional pick, 2025, I believe. Jeremy Grant is going to go to Portland and play alongside Damian Lillard. Dame time. If Lillard's still a blazer, that remains to be seen. It was thought before that trade, Blazers in a rebuild here. They're probably going to trade Damian Lillard. I don't know now. Jeremy Grant's a formidable two-guard. So you're going to see some trade at trades today, too. And part of that is it's a deep draft. If you're Houston, for example, or let's not take let's take Houston out of that. They're the top three. If you're Sacramento with the fourth pick, maybe you move down to 20, trade with San Antonio. Get a guy like Deontay Murray from San Antonio, who they are shopping. Very good, explosive two-guard. San Antonio's got the ninth pick. They've got the 25th pick. How about they trade the 20th with Murray to move up to number four? Maybe Sacramento gives them a couple other pieces as well. There's going to be some trades tonight before the draft because there are a lot of guys in this draft who are considered equal. Same talent level, same upside. And if you've got three picks in the first round like the Spurs do and you find one guy that you – let's say the Spurs really love Jaden Ivey or Shaden Sharp, and they're down at number nine and they're saying, look, this guy's not going to get down to us. And Sacramento's like, okay, we'll, we'll take the 20th pick and we'll take Murray and we'll give you this four pick. We'll give it to you because you like Ivey so much or you like Sharp so much or whoever it might, may be. There's going to be some movement tonight before the draft. There's usually a little movement. I think you're going to see a lot of movement tonight. What about Kyrie? What are the Nets thinking? Now, the Nets are probably thinking, we would love to have Kyrie back for one more run at it. Kevin Durant, a healthy Joe Harris. We'll see what we can get out of Ben Simmons. Seth Curry, shooter. Let's, uh, let's just hang on to Kyrie Irving. The problem with that is Kyrie Irving's got seven more days, six more days, to decide whether he wants to opt into his $36 million final year of his contract in Brooklyn. And if he doesn't, then it really doesn't matter what you want. I would be looking for a buyer for Kyrie Irving. They're not out there. It's hard to be out there because the hard salary cap says, Kyrie Irving and his contract can't really fit in anywhere. You got to do away with a lot of parts if you want to put Kyrie Irving on your roster. Is he one of the best guards in the NBA? Yes. Has he got the best handle in the NBA? Yes. Can he score inside and outside? Yes. Will he show up for work? That's a question mark. 
That's a question mark. Is he poison in the locker room? Who knows? People that have been in the locker room with him know, but they're not, they're not saying. At least most of them aren't saying. If you're the Nets, are you trying to shop Kyrie for the next seven hours? Would Sacramento figure out a way to bring in Kyrie Irving? little sign and trade. Get rid of maybe De'Aaron Fox, although I don't think they want to do that. Trade a few pieces to Brooklyn to get Kyrie Irving on the roster. Maybe. Tonight, I, I feel like you're going to see something crazy tonight. You're going to see something crazy. All right, speaking of crazy, unbelievable hockey finish last night. I don't talk hockey on this show very much, but I will a little bit. Baseball last night, we saw something we've never seen before. A player has now done something that has never been done in the history of Major League Baseball. The closest to what this guy did was Babe Ruth. We'll talk about that. A couple of fantastic finishes in the Major League Baseball last night as well. And we'll get to boxing movies right after the break. You're listening to Spears on Sports presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big X. Welcome back, Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage. John Spears in studio. Eminem Cartage hotline is open. 502-384-1450 to join in on the conversation. 502-384-1450. Or you can hit me up on the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. Download Thornton's Refreshing Rewards app today for savings on fuel every day. That's the Thornton's Refreshing Rewards app. And hit me up with your favorite boxing movies on the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. Beautiful day outside for some Shady Rays. Wear them to the Bats game tonight if you uh, if you are heading out there. Shady Rays, independent American-owned company, started in Kentucky. Changing the way you wear sunglasses, Shady Rays offers an industry-best combination of fit, style, and performance without the big brand price tag. It doesn't stop at the quality. Shady Rays offers the most insane warranty in all of eyewear. Every pair is backed by lost and broken replacements. You're at the Bats game tonight, right? Somebody hits a line or foul and it, uh, or a pop-up foul. They don't hit liners foul anymore because they got the netting up. But a pop-up over the net, you're there, you got your glove, you're ready to catch it, and you're terrible. So it hits you in the eyewear and breaks your Shady Rays. They'll replace them for free. Lose them, break them. Sit on them, whatever. That's the lost and broken replacement guarantee by Shady Rays. Also, they provide 10 meals to fight hunger in America with every order. Donated over 20 million meals so far to date. Look good in your shades. Feel good by making an impact exclusively for our listeners right now. Shady Rays is offering 25% off. You can try them out, see what they're all about. Use code BIGX to check out 25% off of all adult shades. That's at ShadyRays.com. Afternoon baseball, a lot of afternoon games today. Two underway already, Colorado and Miami are scoreless. Bottom of the first, San Francisco and Atlanta scoreless uh, halfway uh, through the first inning there. Dodgers, Reds, Cubs, Pirates coming up before I get off the air today. For the uh, Dodgers, they go for the sweep of the Reds. Shocker. Clayton Kershaw and Hunter Green. Actually, a very intriguing matchup there. 
By the way, here's the complete top 10 draft order pick tonight in the NBA. Orlando with the number one pick, number two, Oklahoma City, three, Houston, four, Sacramento, five, Detroit, six, your Indiana Pacers, seven, Portland, eight, New Orleans, nine, San Antonio, and 10, the Washington Wizards. Uh, breaking news about 10 minutes ago, Arch Manning, five-star quarterback, class of 2023, announced on Twitter that he will be a Texas Longhorn, heading to the SEC, I guess. Well, maybe the uh, pack Big 12 for a, you know just a drive-by, but then to the SEC, Arch Manning headed to Texas, grandson of Archie, nephew of Eli, nephew of Peyton, son of Cooper Manning, and number one quarterback in the class of 2023 committed to the Texas Longhorns. Hockey last night. I love playoff hockey. I picked this one up in the middle of the second period last night. Colorado beats Tampa Bay 3-2 to in overtime. It was a controversial overtime goal. Colorado, the Avalanche, go back home now with a 3-1 lead. They can finish off the series on Friday. Uh, but should Colorado have been called for too many men on the ice in the game-winning goal? There is a gray area here, and this is not a reviewable call. You ha- are supposed to be within six feet of your bench when you're coming off the ice and somebody else is coming on before they can jump on the ice. And from the replay, it certainly appears that the oncoming player who scored the winning goal, by the way, was on the ice before the player going off the ice was within six feet of the bench. Looked like about nine or ten feet, maybe more. But the... The uh, question I have is, how often is this call? It was called 193 times in the NHL this season. 193 times in 1,800 games or so. That's not a lot. And, again, it's one of those things where if it's not blatant, official's not going to call it, whether it's the first period or overtime, whether it's Regular season, middle of the season, throwaway game, or it's game, apparently game four of the Stanley Cup final. Not going to call it. John Cooper, head coach of Tampa Bay, was so upset in the postgame, he made one comment and left the podium uh, in his media obligation. Said he'd talk about it today. I'm going to talk about it tomorrow. I can't talk about it right now. We're very upset. But Colorado wins 3-2. Again, playoff hockey. You get to overtime, it was so intense. Nothing better. Uh, baseball, before I get to boxing movies, there's a couple of, there were a few intriguing games last night and yesterday. Baltimore beat, beat Washington 7 to nothing. I know, those two teams are not very good. That game only went six innings. In a six-inning game, Austin Hayes of the Orioles hit for the cycle in a six-inning game. Four at-bats, four hits, single, double, triple home run. Rain delay in the fifth. They played one more inning. More rain came. They said, that's it. So somehow in a six-inning game, Austin Hayes hit for the cycle. Uh, Cleveland beat Minnesota 11-10 to in Minneapolis. The Indian. oh, there I go, quarter in the swear jar. I said Indians. The Guardians of Cleveland got four in the top of the ninth to win that one 11-10. to Braves trailed San Francisco 4-3 to in the ninth. They get three in the bottom of the ninth, including a walk-off single from former Louisville Cardinal Adam Duvall. 
Braves beat San Francisco 4-3. Yankees win again. They won in Tampa. Got a two-run homer in the eighth from Jose Trevino to beat Tampa Bay 5-4. Yankees came back from a 4-1 deficit. That is their 51st win of the season already. But the big story is Shohei Otani. He pitched for the uh, Angels last night at home against Kansas City. Went eight innings, allowed two hits, 13 strikeouts in a 5-0 Angels victory. That's a pretty good night. The night before, in a Kansas City victory, 12-11, Shohei Otani, as the DH, had eight runs batted in. Back-to-back nights, eight RBIs, followed by the next night, 13 strikeouts as a pitcher. Nobody in the history of baseball has that combo platter of eight RBIs in a game and 13 strikeouts in a game. Nobody. Babe Ruth had seven RBIs in a game. He did it four times. And he had 11 strikeouts in a game as a pitcher. Otani with eight and 13 Not only the only one to ever do that, he did it on back-to-back nights. That's incredible. I mean, I'm just shaking my head. That's why I I love baseball. You never know what you're going to see. Never know what you're going to see. All right, let's go ahead and get to uh, boxing movies. We got uh, got about 25 minutes to mess with this. And uh, I, I do love messing with this. By the way, Atlanta leads San Francisco one nothing after one inning in Atlanta. Okay. Got to keep you updated on sports, even though we're going to talk movies now. Boxing movies was fun, and it was a close vote, believe it or not. It was a close vote. And the, the movie that I thought would win did win. Rocky, the original. 1976, two hours long, rated PG. Before there was PG-13, rated PG. Sylvester Stallone, Talia Shire, uh, Meredith Burgess, you can't win, Rock! Right? Cut me, Mick. (laughs) Oh, man. I love that movie. Now, look, I'm a 1981 high school graduate. That's my era. All right? So most of the old people that I tallied said, oh, Rocky. Oh, you got to go with Rocky. Talia Shire as uh, his wife, Adrian. Adrian! Okay, I'm done with doing that. Only I think that's funny. Uh, Gary did laugh a little bit on the other side of the glass, but I think that's that's courtesy guffaw. That's a courtesy laugh. Burt Young as Pauly is fantastic. Fantastic. The borderline, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, he's just not smart. Let's just put it that way. Not smart, swindler, grabbing a hold of Rocky's uh, coattails. He is Adrian's brother. Carl Weathers is Apollo Creed. I remember Carl Weathers for two things: Apollo Creed and Chubbs, who didn't have his, uh, who got his hand bitten off by an alligator in Happy Gilmore. That's Carl. That's his career. But he was great as Apollo Creed. Uh, Burgess Meredith is Mickey, formerly the. Uh, Penguin in the old Batman TV series. He's fantastic. Um, Joe Spinelli as Gazzo, the, uh, I guess the bookie who Rocky worked for before he became famous as a 
you know, kind of an enforcer. Go get the money from this guy. He was great. The boxing match in Philadelphia um, on, uh, I guess it was 4th of July. Tremendous. And the beauty of this movie is at the, at the end of the movie, when Rocky's in the ring and he's all beat up, it's a split decision. You can hear that. And Adrian's running to him and he's yelling at for Adrian. He, he's getting asked questions. You have to listen closely in the background because if you left the theater, you may not have known who actually won the match. You have to be listening closely because that is not the focus of the final scene. The focus of the final scene is Adrian losing her beret as she's running up toward the boxing ring. Rocky trying to find the love of his life here, trying to get her in the ring. Ain't going to be no rematch. We heard that from Apollo Creed. But we don't know who won. That's the beauty of Rocky. We had no idea. Unless you were listening closely in the theater, Apollo Creed wins by split decision. Beautiful movie. Great filming in, uh, in Philadelphia. Actually, a statue now on the steps near the former site of the Spectrum, the, the Rocky statue. Uh, Stallone wrote it. He directed it. Uh, actually, John G. Abelson directed it. I take it back. Stallone wrote this movie. He was nobody all right, before this movie. He was an unknown. Um, Academy Award, yes. Let me find this award. Won three Oscars, 20 wins uh, in, of different awards, 22 nominations. Uh, best Picture, Best Director, and Best Editing. Uh, and, of course, Stallone was nominated but did not win for uh, Best Lead Actor in a Motion Picture. IMDb 8.1. It is one of four movies, boxing movies, four with eight or higher ratings on IMDb. Rocky got 47 votes. It was a pretty distant winner there. There's a, I, I got a tie for second place. Maybe I'll let Gary break the tie here. Maybe I'll let Gary break the tie. Uh, but Rocky, 1976, two hours long, perfect, perfect movie. Everything about it is perfect. Uh, he's a left-hander. He's a southpaw. He switches. In the middle of the movie, you got they got to cut his eye so he can keep fighting. I mean, it's just a, a feel-good story. It's an underdog story. And if you watch Rocky and you don't leave with a smile on your face, then yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we can be friends anymore. It's that simple. Number two, or tied for second, 22 votes each. All right, you ready, Gary? Raging Bull, Robert De Niro, 1980. Rated R, and Cinderella Man, Russell Crowe, plays James Braddock, uh, 2005, rated PG-13. Who you got? Raging Bull. See, you're my era, <laughs> right? That is that is completely 1980 versus 2005. Oh, yeah. Am I right? That's a great one. Raging Bull, black and white. De Niro, that sort of tips the scales for me. If you said De Niro or Crowe, I'm going De Niro almost every time. And I like Russell Crowe. I've never seen the one with Russell Crowe. Oh, well, how can I make you the tiebreaker? That's an error on me. (laughs) Right? Well, I'm sorry, but I I still think I'd like Raging Bull a lot better. 
I, I've got Raging Bull 2 and Cinderella Man 3, so I agree with you 100%. Uh, Raging Bull, all right, let's do, it, let's do it after the break. Because Raging Bull, Cinderella Man, they're both fantastic. They're both fantastic. And it is a fine line, in my mind as well, over which one's better. We'll take a break. Come back, finish off the list, but Rocky's your winner. It should be. You're listening to Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big X. Welcome back to Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage. John Spears in studio, final segment. You can hit me up on the Eminem Cartage Hotline, 502-384-1450, to join in the conversation of boxing movies. Or you can hit me up on the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. Summer cash bash at Thornton's. $10,000 up for grads, up for grabs every week with um, your refreshing rewards app. Just hit on it. Click the uh, Summer Cash Bash icon. That's not all. You can earn additional entries by purchasing select top brands like Bud Light 12-packs, Mountain Dew 20-ounce bottles, large Doritos, hot dogs, many more. It's Thornton Summer Cash Bash. If you're not a Refreshing Rewards member, why not? Become one now. Text rewards to 80313. And hit me up on the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. All right, boxing movies, Rocky, we have established as number one overall, 47 votes. Getting 22 votes each were Raging Bull and Cinderella Man. I told you that before the break. I'm going to, I'm not giving it, I'm going to just say tie for a second. All right, I don't want any controversy on this show. I don't need any picketers outside the, on Magnolia Avenue over here. I don't need any pick, picketers. I don't need security to walk me out, I hope. So let's start with Raging Bull, 1980. Two hours, nine minutes, rated R. Robert De Niro, by the way, 8.2 on IMDb. It is the highest rated boxing movie, although, as I mentioned, there are four with ratings of eight or above. Rocky was 8.1. Raging Bull, 8.2. The life story of boxer Jake LaMotta. He had a temper, violent guy, top of the top of the world in the ring, but his life outside it was an absolute mess. Uh, Robert De Niro is fantastic in the uh, in the lead role. Um, best Actor, 1981 Academy Awards, Robert De Niro, Best Film Editing, uh, nominee for Best Picture, nominee for an actor in a supporting role, Joe Pesci. Nominee, Oscar nominee for actress in a supporting role, Kathy Moriarty, who plays uh, Jake LaMotta's wife. Fantastic. Joe Pesci's great as his brother. Uh, and when they want to fight each other, it's it's classic cinema. Black and white movie here, which you, uh, you know, Schindler's List, I think, was black and white. It was great. Um, sad, but great movie. Black and white can make a movie better than it should be. And I think Raging Bull, is it was a wonderful decision by Martin Scorsese, the director, to go in that direction, and it paid off. Frank Vincent as a Salvi is great. Nicholas Colasanto, who you remember as coach in the TV show Cheers, uh, he plays Tommy Como. He's really good. 
Um, a lot of a lot of these actors, you know, you've seen them in, I don't know, Sopranos. You've seen them in, uh, uh, you know, Goodfellas, movies like that. But this movie, 1980, and again, that's my era. It was great. It was absolutely fantastic. Uh, Kathy Moriarty, I know she was nominated for an Academy Award, but her role as Vicky LaMotta was, uh, wow, it was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking and hard to watch. A lot of this movie is, you know, about spousal abuse and and a guy that just did not have it together in the ring, kind of let himself go after his boxing career was over as well. But uh, great film, deserved Deserved all of the honors than it got. Tied for second, Cinderella Man. Now, I had never seen Cinderella Man until about three or four years ago when my buddy J.R. said it was his favorite movie he'd ever seen, period. No genre attached to it. Not sports, not boxing, just his favorite movie ever. So I sat down and watched it. 2005, PG-13, two hours, 24 minutes. Russell Crowe plays James J. Braddock, washed-up boxer, this is a based on a true story. Comes back to challenge for the heavyweight championship of the world. The uh, timeline is the Great Depression. Russell Crowe is unbelievably good, and if you've ever seen Russell Crowe in a in a movie like ah, um, uh, what's the movie where he's uh, he's autistic? Um, help me out, Gary. Gary doesn't know either. Gary Gary hasn't seen Cinderella. Man, I got a little problem with that. The ah. Uh, uh, Somebody will text it to me. But uh, he's great. Russell Crowe is fantastic in this movie. Renee Zellweger, all right, you might know her from Jerry Maguire. Okay. But she's uh, fantastic as his wife. Craig Berko plays Max Baer, who fought Braddock along the way. He's good. Paul Giamatti, um, who I love in anything, is fantastic. And the name that comes up on all of these movies is Bruce McGill. Bruce McGill, who played D-Day in Animal House and didn't even have a line in the movie, all of a sudden I've noticed during this uh, five-week extravaganza that he's in all these sports movies. He plays Jimmy Johnston in this movie. He was in 61. He's a coach uh, or a trainer or something in just about every movie. It's like what? It's like turn on a movie and you go, hey, look, Samuel L. Jackson's in this movie. He's in everything. Um. As far as IMDb is concerned, go ahead, Gary. Yeah, a beautiful mind. Beautiful mind. Yeah, Thank that's you. That's what it was. Great I had to movie. look it up. <laughs> Great. Well, I would I've have seen too. it though. It's a good movie. Fantastic movie. Uh, Cinderella Man 8.0, by the way, on the uh, IMDb meter. Um, it's great. It's long. I'll tell you this. It's long. Part of it is depressing. It happens during the Great Depression. So get a get a sense of that. Um, the struggle he has between his first boxing career and then his comeback. Again, I, I, you don't see a whole lot of boxing movies that are comedies, I've noticed. Not a lot of comedies in the boxing world. A lot of drama, a lot of action, uh, but not a, lot of, not a lot of boxing comedies. In fact, as I look on the list of all the movies that got votes here, I don't see any comedies on here. Yeah, I wonder why that is. Because boxing's not funny. How about that? All right, number four on the list, and it was close again, 10 votes here, and I love this movie, Million Dollar Baby, 2004, um, rated PG-13, 8.1, by the way, on IMDb, 8.1. Um, Hillary Swank, female boxer, Clint Eastwood, 
uh, directed this film and uh, starred as Frankie Dunn, her trainer. Uh, she is Maggie Fitzgerald, a determined woman who works with a hardened boxing trainer, that's Clint Eastwood, to become a professional. Morgan Freeman, uh, who's in everything, is in this movie, is Eddie Scrap Iron Dupris, Jay Burrishell, uh, in the movie, Anthony Mackie, who would go on to Marvel fame, is in this as well. Michael Pena. Uh, it's it's a fantastic movie. Um, look, full disclosure, I don't want to spoil anything, but I'm getting ready to. If you've never seen it, give me 20 seconds here. Turn the volume down. Give me 20 seconds. Starting now, you're not going to like the ending. It doesn't end well for Hillary Swank. All right? I'm just saying... If you're going to watch this movie, bring some Kleenex. It is a great, great movie. Fantastic movie. And Hilary Swank, I mean, I know she was in, uh, I think, Girls Don't Cry, but this one put her over the, over the edge. She became a Hollywood royalty after this movie. Uh, again, 8.1. So your, your movies that are 8 or above, Raging Bull was 8.2, Rocky and Million Dollar Baby 8.1, Cinderella 8.0. There were zero baseball movies, zero football movies, zero basketball movies, zero golf movies that reached the eight level. So that will tell you what at least critics think of boxing movies. They get a lot of votes. All right, number number five on the list with nine votes, and I'll tell you why it got nine votes. I'm going to be full disclosure here. It got nine votes because three people voted it number one. I don't understand it. That was that's the full nine votes it got. Nobody else voted it number two or three, but three people voted it number one. It is from 1982, rated PG, Rocky Three. Rocky Three. Now maybe you're a big Mr. T fan, all right? Okay. Uh, Six point eight, which is not bad on IMDb. Same cast of characters here. You got Stallone, you got Talia Shire, you got Burt Young, you got Carl Weathers. Uh, but you add in Mr. T, Mickey, the, uh, I don't want to tell you what happens to Mickey in this one, but let's just put it this way. He's not in Rocky four. Okay. I don't want to tell you what happens to Mickey, the trainer, the old, I don't know, a hundred year old trainer. And when you look in Rocky four, if he's in it, it's a flashback. I don't remember if he's in it or not, but Mr. T is really good as clubber Lang. Mr. T at the time was a team on TV and this goofy guy with a mohawk and a bunch of uh, bunch of bling bling chains. That's who he was. I pitied a fool. Remember that? I pitied a fool. That's that was Mr. T. But then he came along in this movie. Clubber Lang, Hulk Hogan is in this movie uh, as as Thunderlips. So whoever named the characters in this movie should have gotten fired for naming Hulk Hogan Thunderlips. But there it is. Mr. T's great. He's a he's a up and coming boxer. There's a little bit of a parallel to Mike Tyson here because he's from the from the streets and he just gets in the ring and just beats the snot out of everybody. There's no real boxing acumen here. It's not where he's standing and they're exchanging jabs. He just gets in there and beats the snot out of everybody. Um, but Rocky three six point eight as I mentioned, nineteen eighty two, an hour and thirty nine minutes serviceable Rocky movie. Let's, I'm going to be honest with you. My favorite Rocky movie is Rocky 2. It's Rocky 2. It's the rematch between Apollo Creed and uh, and Rocky Balboa. And Rocky 2 only got three votes. I was very sad about that. 
Because in my mind, Rocky II, 1979, it got 7.3, folks. It got a lot more love than Rocky III. Not as much as the original, and I get that. But this one's the rematch. Ain't going to be no rematch. Wait a minute, Apollo. You said it wasn't going to be no rematch. I know what I said, fool. But you got to have a rematch. How can you make uh, twice as much money if you don't have a rematch, right? And full disclosure, I'm going to spoil it for you. If you haven't seen it from 1979, then that's not on me. That's, uh, you know, that's 43 years ago. If you haven't seen it by now, Rocky wins the rematch and becomes the heavyweight champion of the world. My buddy Randall L., who uh, called me right before the show, if he had to vote on this, he would vote Rocky, Rocky two, Rocky three, Rocky four, Rocky five. I don't know if there's a Rocky six, but Rocky Balboa, I think, was Rocky six. It was just called Rocky Balboa. Then he would probably vote Creed, Creed two, Creed three. Rocky nut. Uh, but for my money, two's the best. Now, yeah, maybe I'm wrong, but I think two's the best. Creed got five votes. Um, Michael B. Jordan as the son of Apollo Creed. I haven't seen it, full disclosure, but a lot of people have seen it and love it. When We Were Kings got five votes. Yeah, When We Were Kings. The first guy to vote for that was Rick Bozich. Um, so that should tell you it's an old movie. When We Were Kings, 1996, so it's not that old, but it's a documentary uh, about the 74 boxing championship bout in Zaire, the rumble in the jungle, Muhammad Ali and uh, George Foreman. Uh, it's a documentary, but it's a celebration of Ali. By the way, Ali the movie got nine votes. It tied with Rocky three for fifth place on the list here. Uh, Ali, 2001, two hours and 37 minutes. Will Smith is Muhammad Ali. Uh, Jamie Foxx is in this movie. John Voight. Uh, Mario Van Peebles is in the movie, 6.7 on IMDb. But Ali, oh, by the way, When We Were Kings, eight. So now five doc, five boxing movies with at least 8.0 on IMDb. Ali's a great movie. I've watched it once, a long time ago. Um, but it's more about life outside of boxing. It's more about what happened when uh, Muhammad Ali changed his name, Cassius Clay changed his name to Muhammad Ali, he uh, avoided the draft, threw his gold medal in the Ohio River famously, uh, and what happened in that time period. That's what the movie Ali is mostly about. It is a historical uh, account of Ali's life, and it does take some of the uh, boxing into account. But for the most part, it's more of a, um, a story about you know what happened to a guy who was persecuted for his beliefs. That's basically what that movie is about. That's 2001, and as I mentioned, 6.7. And it's more of a biography, and it uh, focuses, as I read it right now, on the triumphs and controversies between 1964 and 1974. So uh, that's gold medal for the USA, and then you know not wanting to go to war, which a lot of people were on the same, uh, same boat. Got some votes for the Hurricane. Got some votes for Real Steel. One guy voted for Billy Jack. Uh, yeah, not a not a boxing movie. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna call you out, Troy. I mean, uh, I'm not gonna call you out, but not a boxing movie. Pulp Fiction got a vote. I don't get that. I know Bruce Willis was a boxer, but I don't get it. All right, next week we'll do um, other sports that aren't the Big Five that we already did. 
Thanks for listening. Talk to you tomorrow. Spears on Sports presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big X.